we sat on this couch for multiple minutes trying to figure out how to start this podcast and nothing was sitting right with us. So I think we should just start with, start with the important stuff. I'm Evan. I'm Nathan. And I'm Alec. And this is the Lieutenant Dan ice cream social hour uh, for now. Um, I guess. We'll get to that. We might just get to that first, honestly. Might just, as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just get into the weeds. Um, glad you're here with us. So the three of us, we've known each other since middle school. Yep. Correct. And uh, at, for whatever reason in middle school, we all were super into... Uh, 1994 Forrest Gump, Academy Award winning Forrest Gump. Uh, Starring we? Tom Hanks. Yeah, um, we were all into that. And we thought the one scene of where, where Forrest Gump insists on giving ice cream to Lieutenant Dan was just the funniest thing we'd ever seen. Um, and so we've, all, I feel like we've all kind of associated it with one another, you know, since yep. that time, especially like this, this specific trio you know, so I think that's interesting. So we're gonna uh, keep keep that part of the theme and going for for the pod, and we will involve ice cream actually at some point. There will later. be ice cream. There will promise. be ice cream. When we'll get to that in a little bit. But this is episode one, and one of our favorite films of all time. Even though we mentioned it's Forrest Gump, we decided to do The Shining. So earlier tonight, we just watched that. Uh, we went out and got some Mexican food. Shout out Chio's house in Bartlett, Illinois. And uh, now we're back in the uh, makeshift studio in my mom's basement, you know, <laughs> living the high life, post-college graduates. And we are going to talk about The Shining. This is a movie podcast, by the way. That's yeah. like the main yep. thing that we're going to. Our, our whole shtick is, yes, there will be ice cream. Yes, it's an homage to the great uh, Forrest Gump quote. Uh, Lieutenant Dan ice cream um, but uh, it's the social hour for a reason and during that quote-unquote social hour we will be picking a film that you know I think resonates with all of us that that we have an attachment to one that we have all seen before but we've brought ourselves together to sit down with a, a critical and sometimes silly eye um, to, to join together and watch the film again and just see what comes of it um, and we want to take the part of that social hour to open it up to to kind of our thoughts and, you know, what we think of the movie, how, you know, it's intertwined with us somehow. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you guys find that interesting and we don't bore you to death. Um, but, yeah, The Shining, Stanley Kubrick. So... We all of us had seen this movie before. Say all of us at least three times. I would say so. The so, first time I saw it was in high school, and certainly, I fell in love with it mm -hmm. from the first viewing. Um, I I was telling these guys earlier today that I saw this movie at the Music Box Theater in Chicago a couple months ago for a midnight showing. So I'd seen it, you know, three again, probably three times already, and it was a it was pretty powerful like theater experience to be honest the crowd was just you know super great was laughing at all like the inside jokes and how knowing it all is and um also just reminded me that it's a pretty fucking scary movie yeah uh this is like a scare like i think when i was younger like i was like you know middle school high school i didn't think it was scary but now i'm like oh yeah that's that's a horror movie that's not a thriller yeah i 
I think too, <clears throat> similar to everybody here. Um, I, I watched it, I think early on in high school, maybe it was still middle school. Um, I think it was one of those times where I wasn't intending on watching the movie, but it was on cable television somehow. And I just kind of settled up watching it. Um, you know, I, I think one of the weirdest things for me is, you know, Alex said that he loved it, you know, the, the first time he watched it. I think my initial reaction after watching the film for the first time was kind of just a state of like, what the fuck did I just watch? There are so many things upon a first viewing that you don't catch or that uh, you just don't understand their importance or their significance. Like what the hell is the shining even supposed to mean? What is it? What does it do? Why are they there? Why are they acting so fucking crazy to a young mind? I just had no idea. Over the years, though, I've started to really grow an appreciation for it. Um, and, and hopefully we'll be able to talk through some of the things that really kind of swayed me in that direction. I mean, for me, there's so many movies that I watched middle school, early high school, like that I just I just think I wasn't ready for. You know, like I'm glad I came back to, again, not to mention like, you know, don't mean to mention all the classic, you know, like film bro movies, but like Pulp Fiction, I didn't want to, you know, I'd fully understand the cultural significance and the references and stuff yeah. when I was that young and same, and you know, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, some of those movies, but same, same with, same with this one. Cooper, I'd say Kubrick is another great example yes. of that. Like I've been meaning to come back to watch 2001. I haven't seen Barry Lyndon, but I've seen this one like probably five times at this point. Um, cause it's just so rewatchable and I, I, I laugh a lot. Yes. You, these guys could say, I just chuckle a lot at mainly just Jack Nicholson's performance is just, you know, I'm sure we'll talk ad nauseum about just how much of an all timer it is, but just little moments now, weird, how just weird and unsettling and all is it just it makes me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how we want to even start talking about the film. Do we want to just break it down like beginning, middle, end, or are we thinking of just discussing it and seeing where the conversation goes i think we should start at the beginning okay a very good place to start and then just go from there if we go chronologically cool if we don't we may veer off the then rails, but make it a little crazy and a sense of isolation here you know yeah. it's the only thing that people have had only issue that people had a little bit of trouble with i mean that's it's like a reference to the movie that's been a theme from like probably five minutes in right Ever mm -hmm. since uh, he sits down with, um, I I can't think of the name. The guy who the, offered him the job, Stan though. Stan Ullman. Yes, you Mr. remember. Ullman. Look mm -hmm. at you. Look at you. Um, this guy's crazy with names. I, I I've I can watch a movie twenty times, and I still am like, oh, that one guy with the straw hat. You know, I don't know why names just don't click with me. But is that Robert De Niro? <laughs> I was I was asking at dinner who uh, who Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise was. Cruise yeah. was. I was like, was he the one in uh, he was in uh, Top Gun, right? Or, you didn't even call it said, Top the, Gun. You said you that said movie that, that came movie out. Came out, out the, I said the eighties movie, <laughs> the remake. But um, similar disgraceful to one of our heroes of cinema. Um, listen, um. My train is off the rails. What was I talking about? You're talking about isolation. The isolation. Oh, that's With correct. Stan Ullman? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he mentions to Jack Nicholson's character, like, oh, like isolation is a major factor in this job. A lot of people can't take it just because of that. And he's like, oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Which, you know, throughout the rest of the film, it seems like he has been there before. 
is he like a spirit? Is Shelly imagining he even exists? Or like, is he reincarnated? What What's the deal with that? Because I could not figure that out throughout my multiple viewings of the film. You know what I'm saying, though? I, I mean, you, you get where I'm, get where I'm coming. I, I just want to say you started out with talking about the, the isolation factor and that being a big part, and then you veered off into him about being, you know, is I'm he a, a ghost? I'm and a viewer, just, and then you, I'm and, a and then you let us you let us answer with like three seconds of radio silence. Then what? You know what I'm saying though. So, so clearly not. So I guess no. I, uh, I guess my my response to that would have to be uh, twofold. One, I think he's probably reincarnated or s- some kind of they mentioned, otherworldly like, effort. Always like, he been, was there. He know like yeah, he knows he's he's been there. there. He he's he's been there. I mean, you you could argue that the picture at the end is you know it was modified after he's there to join them for eternity. So what now. I'm saying, did you know that from the very beginning of this film though? What do you mean? Like on said, this viewing? No, or? no, no. In general, in general. Because he said like, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. No, I just think, I think genuinely. And okay. I, one of the first things I, I think I said upon rewatching the movie is, is it's just very clear. Like how much of a fucked up dude Jack Nicholson's character is um, just from the get go. You can tell that there's something off with this dude, with whether it's the subtle sarcasm and how he replies or the the kind of the that glare, you know, Jack Nicholson has that the eyes, the eyes that just freak you out and stare into your soul. You know this dude's just not quite normal. And that's fine. A lot of people aren't, but you know Damn, can that man tell a joke? That man <laughs> that man's hilarious. It's I, called I, I range. Want, so crazy, but I just want I just want to hang around him. It's just so He's like, oh, that's a good one, Jack. Like, I just want to want to hang with him. He seems like a cool guy, yeah. despite despite the ab- abuse part and the murder that we see later. At yes. first, he's like, oh, yeah. this guy's just he has sarcastic. a lot of charisma. Sarc- he has charisma. Yeah. Yes, he, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want him to be like my closest friend, but like to have him be in your social circle, I think would be cool. It, it's almost as if though he like not to get all psychoanalysis on it, but he's almost demonstrating traits of like a a, a narcissist somebody you know who who say, acts in that's fair you know i think always his best interests it's about him as he kind of demonstrates throughout the film and how selfish of a person he is and that absorbs him and eventually causes him to unfurl um but you just see that from the get-go and, and that's why i say you know there's a i think a, a point in this movie uh about you know pushing someone into their destiny whether it's you know what he came from before or where he is now um but you were also talking about just the the isolating feeling how isolation was a big theme from the get-go obviously i mean you start out with the opening sequence of them driving through the hills they're the only car on the road they're the only car on the road you're seeing sweeping and panning landscapes i think there might be a couple cars driving in the opposite direction sure Sure, but it, it it solely focuses on them. Yeah, um, and you just see the wide expanse of the you know the quote unquote Colorado nature, um, and and how barren it is, uh, you know, albeit beautiful, um, and you know, that's very isolating into itself. It's an arduous journey to this, you know, destination in in many different ways, um, and you know we we talked about it, but the score 
that just uh, underscores that that first opening sequence. Yeah, we can talk about like the score for a very long time. I think it'll continue to come up oh, yeah. uh, throughout our conversation because it is just again it's another all timer. I truly think horror or not, I think it's just one of the best scores. Yeah. Um, and yes, and that 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 version of the DSERA um, that we hear in the opening credits sequence is just some of the most some of the most harrowing music I've. Yes, I've heard it truly instills that sense of dread. So that's what yes, uh, the that's what it's supposed to do, and you truly feel. I especially felt that in the theater, seeing it in the theater, um, like just with the sound and everything. It really just kind of encases you and unsettles you before you uh, meet Jack Nicholson for the first time. Uh, you know, in the first scene, but then, yeah, the return to to those same you know wide shots with a car in it when them as a family are heading there as opposed to jack you know himself during the opening credits it's i feel like they've already been able to build on that sense of dread I mean, just within a, just within a few minutes for anyone that doesn't know by the way like you you were explaining to me the significance of the ds earlier in the night do you want to reiterate i know you mentioned it was a gregorian chant and everything and it's it's a popular theme in a lot of uh cinema um especially in the horror genre but I feel like you had a pretty good anecdote with that. Yeah, um, it's another one that comes to me as me and Nathan are, are theater people here, and Sweeney Todd is another big one, and that's you know it's kind of weaved throughout the score in uh, in that show, and it's just uh, what it's supposed to do is just instill that sense of dread and get get the idea of death kind of yeah. on your mind the, the, from the get go. When that you know whenever they came up with that chant and then the the musical sequence. Uh, DSRA is meant to represent and almost bring upon death um, in, into whatever it's underscoring. Um, yeah, we're not we're not uncovering any new information. No. We're not we're not uh, the messengers on. The, we're just we're not uh, the creators of this. No, we this are research. We're certainly just, just sharing it. Yes, um, establishing some context. But you know, like Evan said, it's it's in Broadway. It's in Star Wars. Other you know films or dark media in which they might want to instill a sense of dread. Uh, if you kind of pick apart the music, you may hear that uh, same uh, sequence. It's just become synonymous. Mm -hmm. Shout out Wendy Carlos, uh, who was one of the contributors to the score. Um, yeah, icon and trailblazer in the trans community, I believe. Yeah. So um, that, that's, that's pretty cool. Just such, such, such a great score. I think there was Obviously, with this expanse of the strings and everything, there's so many yes. different people involved. I think Wendy was more involved in the synth uh, side of it. So with you know with that opening score and such. So towards the end of the film, too, it gets crazy. Like there are instruments that aren't really instruments. Like there's these sounds that just sound like piano strings or like broken guitar strings being slammed into yeah, the ground. Just tapping just, on stuff with sticks yeah, it's, and just it's, creaking wood. It, it gets really, really creative. Just, you know, and yeah, the, the it's, it sounds messy, but mm -hmm. like there has to be so much thought behind that because to still make it sound good and eerie without it sounding like a garbage can, that that has to actually take mm -hmm. a lot I mean, of effort. imagine what like those sessions look like people just banging their instruments and oh yeah oh strumming yeah. the strings as, as passionately as they could that was probably just bizarre you gotta, to you gotta wonder how much of that they felt because i know a lot of passionate and skilled musicians are very impacted by you know the music they produce and they pour their heart and soul into um uh, you know i'm sure it's a maybe not in a 
particularly frightening way, but it's some kind of a harrowing uh, emotional experience to, to do that, um, both to produce that kind of music and those sounds, um, but, but also to live as the characters in, in the, the script. You, th- you think Stanley was in there with the orchestra just go crazy, go crazy. I mean, you had to think. Make everyone think they're going to die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But like, and, and all the musicians are like, got it. You know exactly what you're saying, Mr. K. With just the filmmaker that he is, you'd think he was at least heavily involved. You would think so. Um, the hotel that The Shining yes. was based off of, uh, Stephen King wrote about. Nathan and I actually visited up in uh, Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, it had to have been about three or four years ago. Yep. Shout and out it, Rocky Mountain National Park. Yeah, I mean, Stanley Hotel is such an incredible it's place. It's super beautiful, but it's also very eerie. It's like stepping into the 1930s yep. almost. Like yes. nothing is updated. Very well preserved. It's it's such a monument. But being going to the place that inspired all this, I, I think was pretty important for us. Yes. I mean, we we just had brunch and everything and had a couple drinks and it, it was really casual, but we explored the grounds a little and you could really see where inspiration was being pulled from. Yeah. And you could just feel the lore just seeping through the walls, if that makes any sense. Like it, we didn't visit the room. We didn't go on a ghost tour, but it, it felt like a really like active environment in a sense. There was an energy. Yeah. And you know, I'm not a particular, you know, uh, ghost person, you know, who, who knows, right? Um, but you know, I believe that some places have a particular vibe about them. Um, and that, that was one of those places, whether it be because of just, you know, mine and Alex emotional connection to it. Um, but you could feel something. There was something in the air that you just, again, dread and isolation. Um, the area around the hotel is much more developed, uh, now as you know, Estes Park, Colorado is a big tourist destination. Um, but you, you got to think when it was mostly just an expanse of land, uh, just with the backdrop of the Rocky Mountains, the middle of winter, no one else around, freaky as hell. Freaky as hell. Yeah, and I think uh, when we get inside the hotel, um, once the family gets there, following along with their tour, it's I think they do a great job. Just the way it's shot does a great job just showing the just the expanse of the hotel and even just the hallways are just like kind of these long, like never ending caverns. Yeah. And then when they go down in the kitchen, like showing uh, Wendy, you know, all the stuff when we're when we, uh, right after we meet uh, Dick for the first time and, and then like, Oh yeah, here's what, where all your food comes from. And it's like this giant freezer of meat. Like, wow, that's like not overwhelming at all. That's, that's great. Um, and like this, yeah, this giant stock room, but it's, they just do a great job making feel how vast and, you know, wide it all is. And the the size of the maze outside is obviously unbelievable. And the idea of being in there is is terrifying. I don't, and again, uh, there's, this just kind of speaks to the magic of the filmmaking here and how they plan this out. But I wouldn't say, I mean, the kitchen wasn't scary per se, but something about it was daunting again so big expansive and you know you just can see Shelley Duvall's reaction to it while pleasant was you know laced with a an air of wow this is a lot 
Um, and, and whether or not she was consciously thinking about it in, in a sense of just being isolated and lost in it all, or, you know, if it's just, there's a lot to fucking deal with if I just want to cook breakfast. Right. But uh, I digress. It, something about it again there was a vibe it gave off that it was scary and whether it's just because it was industrial or, or whatnot um but it something about it just felt unfriendly i think that'd be the best way i could describe it yeah and then you have you have, you have a dick as a warm presence like so, someone yes. you feel you could trust but then you don't feel any better when your main character is you know looking around the room where him and Wendy are going to be. And he goes, uh, they say it's cozy. Oh, homie. Oh, it's uh it's real, homie. real homie. Just has this deeply sarcastic tone just about the way he talks and going back to what Alex said, that familiar, there's yeah, there's certain familiarity that just is supposed just trying to set off that ease, yeah. you know, yeah. like really just make you feel just, well, what is this guy talking about? Like, what is, what, what does he know? Um, what does he know? I, w- I want to throw it back too, because this is something that really, I think, I mean, we weren't taken aback by because we've all seen it. But one of the things that stood out to us was earlier in the film, um, when Danny has the, the visions, um, and you know he sees the visions of the overlook, uh, and then he passes out, he wakes up uh, in a bed and a doctor's caring for him. Um, you back know, in Boulder? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yes, back mm-hmm. in Boulder. And they're talking about how Danny had gotten injured before. Um, and they were talking and um, Wendy was describing how Danny dislocated his arm or rather how his drunken father came home, got pissed at him and yanked him by the arm and dislocated his arm. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to us was just how terribly, terribly awful it was that Wendy was rationalizing the abuse in her head and you know saying that oh you know it happens happens. it was an accident and you know he promised never to do it again um but uh, again uh, it just speaks to reality right and and then and then the look on the nurse's face Uh, that was that was our face hilarious it's just like what the what and you're cool talking about um do you want to take a moment do you want to take a moment to shout out shelly duvall's performance overall and you know then there's so much more uh obviously to get to in the rest of the movie especially the last uh third or so but it's we do you know we do have to recognize the emotional trauma and abuse that she sustained in the making of this movie um but i think she uh again despite all those challenges like does so much to create this sense of panic and the terror is so real um like from the whole time and just yeah. even even go, she has this super, you know, warm and wholesome, you know, tone to how she speaks to people, which is the exact opposite of, of Jack. And so, uh, certainly on how they interact with one another even. Yeah. And obviously we learned there's something up with Danny. The, it's like, this is not a good, this is not a good family situation yes. moving into this, uh, Hotel of Horrors, I should say. Uh, one of the things, and, you know, we're all getting older. Um, and, you know, as we get older, we start to, you know, think about maybe one day being parents ourselves and whatnot. Um, but one of the things that's very educational in this movie is you want to learn how to be a terrible fucking father, you watch Jack Torrance. Because 
terrible. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, not a hot take. Jack Torrance, bad father. Bad, I think we want to we want to make that clear that even though uh, he be making me chuckle uh, and realize how cool Jack Nicholson is, um, yeah, terrible father. We're on this pod. We are anti. Jack Torrance, Jack Torrance's yes. parent, yes. parenting choice. We are, he, we are anti that. He's, I mean, so condescending, a terrible husband. He treats his wife like shit. I remember, I think, uh, I, I forgot who said it. One of you said it, but um, Wendy, you know, a month into them being at the Overlook, Wendy brings Jack breakfast while he's still in bed. Not a single fucking thank you. Does not say thank Does you. Does not say thank you for, for, his wife bringing him breakfast in bed. She got him the his the eggs that you know his his favorite the way wife, he liked sun, sunny side up. Yes, and he was dipping the bacon and the yolks and everything. Not and to mention OJ. throughout the whole film, though, she was doing the job that he was paid yes. to do. Yes. She was like resetting generators and like do, running, running the, the boilers, boilers and God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that it's really just kind of a metaphor for society. Men just complain about all the work that they do, and then the ladies are really just doing everything. You know. Fuck that guy. Says a lot about our society. But yeah, that's, that's that one way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, and uh, I remember thinking about this. I think I said something about it while we were watching the film. It was like you know, still they're they're still relatively new, being at the Overlook. Um, but we we get a shot of Jackie's in the room where he you know will eventually set up and do his uh, writing on his typewriter. Well, I think he already is at this point. Um, but you know, I think we said he's a criminal procrastinator. Um. Is this the ball? You're this is the ball. The, the this is the ball. ball. He's playing very aggressive wall ball. And very he, he's aggressive. just chucking that thing at the wall. And like, you know, he could possibly damage the wall. One, and he's supposed to be the caretaker. So shame on him. Two, I mean, like, I've played wall ball before. But uh, but you throw the ball normally. You don't need to fuck like chuck it like you're trying to get somebody out at home plate from center field not like that he is being let, aggressive yeah let alone in the this nice room in a very nice hotel yeah um that he's you know whipping the ball at the wall but the interesting thing is it has to be less than 10 minutes after that scene agent of chaos um the ball rolls in as um out of two three seven yeah that's the right. room number yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, into what's the kid's name? Jack, no, Danny. 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 I told you I'm horrible with names. There's nothing that could. Some people are just bad at names. You know, you've always had that. Teacher. Jack Nicholson yeah. yelled it at you so many times I know. in the last and ten minutes, and it just didn't stick what? with you. It, gotcha. it didn't. It didn't. But like, is there a connection there? The ball, and then it rolling up to him out of two, three, seven, or is it just an odd coincidence to it, attract him to that room? It could be that the hotel the entity whatever you want to call it is encouraging him to engage in those behaviors and you know slowly become less attached to the conventions of normal society in the normal world and just you know let loose Mm -hmm. maybe Uh, and it's another connection between jack and the hotel right it was something that you know we just it was just just another visual cue trying to I don't think it's supposed to mean anything specific, the tennis ball, but I think it's just showing that it's all yeah. kind of connected um, with with Jack at the center of it all. You know, bring his family there and obviously being reincarnated, however you want to look at it. I don't have a strong take on that, me personally. Um, 
so the communi- 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 I think it's open-ended. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it's intentionally Definitely. open-ended. Uh, there's a lot of open-ended stuff, I feel like, especially towards the end of the movie with him, you know. Um, he's in the photo. Well, he's in the photo, but even uh, earlier than that, they mentioned he was always the caretaker. Yes. In the um, uh, Mr. Grady. Yes. Yes. In the bathroom. So it's like Talbot Grady. Is he Mr. Grady? Jeeves, old boy. You know, <laughs> Jeeves. <laughs> yeah. What a you, quote, right? Yeah. I mean, we really know quote. that Jack is a bad guy when he refers to someone trying to help him as Jeeves, old boy. Jeeves. How? What is how, that? How mean? degrading? Well, it's like. Jeeves is like your stereotypical your stere- butler, British butler. Yeah, oh. Jeeves. Well, yeah. I'm not British, so how would I know British slang? Both of us do. You make you smart. make a good point, but I, I think it's kind of a pop culture thing. Well, I guess I'm not in yeah. pop culture. Okay. Alfred, if I said that, would you know? Would no. you make the connection to Alf- about the ba- ba- Batman? Dude, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's a but- butler. Like yeah, you know, oh, he's just Jeeves. like old Alfred. But I don't think Alfred will be working. After like, this, we'll look up the origins of the whole Jeeves as a butler thing. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. Okay. Are, okay. I, are, you, are you sure? Are you yes, sure we are? I promise. Okay. I think we should do it now. You're, I mean. Well, okay. You can look it up, but it's uneducated. I guess okay. it's such a tangent. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I, I guess we can look at that. Oh, yeah. Jeeves butler. Uh, generic term for a, a model valet or butler. That's it. That's all it says. According to the what the, the Oxford the Merriam-Webster whatever dictionary, um, a dictionary. They're thought, all they're all the same. I think this would be a good time to point out that um, we'll do a quick Bev check. Bev check, and it is is coordinated for uh, the film we're discussing. So we're all drinking Coors Lights, which sponsored ha- by Coors. Cold as the Rockies. Not sponsored. Not, yeah, definitely, definitely not pins. sponsored. But it, it hails from Colorado. Coors if pins. you didn't know, uh, I believe Golden, Colorado, to be exact. Um, yeah. Yes. Shout out to my shout out to my sister who currently resides in the great state of Colorado, much cooler place um, than where we live. Can can you validate? Is it as cold as the Rockies? Coors, not to be that guy, but Coors in Colorado is as cool as the Rockies. This isn't okay. Um, Man, we get I can't believe I just saw Alec just shove his <laughs> slurped his Coors light down his in front of the mic. That was. It's as cold as the Rockies. We would know. We, yeah. we climbed Long's Peak. And at the, what, the end of summer. It was cold still, though. There was, was snow not, at the top of the damn mountain. At, at the top, top. But it, it like, we're, okay, we tried to climb Long's Peak um, in Rocky Mountain National Park. We're, we're two Midwestern boys, right? So we were practicing at like 800 feet above sea level, probably at the highest. And we're like, oh, we can make it 14,000 whatever feet. We did not. No, no, we were about a thousand feet short. There is a YouTube video on that. So were you guys like gonna? Were you guys like running out of oxygen and everything? Um, Uh, We were starting to feel the effects of altitude sickness. Yeah, and um, we didn't want to push it. You know, we're we're pretty smart. Like we don't. It's not worth our lives. Right. It's not worth like a thirty thousand dollar like rescue helicopter to, to come hard, us to be hard because yeah, yeah. We, yeah. you can't just just because we shit. wanted to yeah um but w- one of the things that definitely oh, at first we thought we were just getting tired um but we were going through this part of the the quote-unquote climb or hike there was kind of a scramble you know, through what's called the boulder field and every single step that we had to like climb up onto another boulder 
We just, I mean, personally, I it think felt like there was you, 20 lead weights. On you our felt back. yourself getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And then we had to keep sitting down and we're like, wait, this is not just us being tired. We're fucked up. Yeah. But I feel like we could tie that into this film, right? Like we felt small up there. Yeah. We felt smaller than I've ever, and we've been to Chicago, right? Big city. You feel small, but nothing like when you're on the side of a mountain at like four in the morning and the closest person is two miles away. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things too, and again, to tie it in a little bit of the film from the Stanley hotel, you have a pretty good view, at least when you're driving in and out of there, you have a pretty good view of Long's Peak. Um, so when we were there, I mean, it was crazy. This was after we had already attempted the the summit. I mean, we had gotten up pretty high. Don't get me wrong. We were probably three quarters of the way there, if not closer, um, which is a shame. But from being, you know, down, we're now somewhere around the base elevation of the, the, the mountain. And, you know, we could see the peak. We look up and not too far down from the peak, we see where we gave up. And just at relative scale mm-hmm. and just in its vastness, we were a dot, a, a speck. You can't even see people up there. I mean, it was it was like an, a needle point yeah. almost. Like that's the distance, and we were still like a thousand feet. And the that goes to show the mountains are just so vast, and there's no one. Like if you're up, like uh, Jack was, there's no rescue. Yeah, you're right. Sure. Like it's far. It's far. You're isolated. I know how that feels. So like for us watching that after climbing a mountain. I, dude mountains are so isolated yeah they really are it's the perfect backdrop stephen king i he couldn't have picked a better backdrop if he wanted to do an isolation piece yeah mountains are mountains are big that's the that's the takeaway um we did this is might be a nitpick but we said asked early in the movie do, like does that make sense for the hotel to close during the winter like so based on what the roads you guys saw, I know you said it wasn't like a bunch of snow there. Like, would a hotel, like, I don't know, maybe different now, but back then, does that does that make sense? Would a, would a hotel in that situation do that? Would it, would it really be that, you know, not not feasible economically to do? Or I, I think I'm it would. I'm a dumb would. guy, I'm asking. No, I, I think it would. So it, it probably really depends on the, you know, the unique situation, right? I, I think in the winter... Um, even during this time period in history, there were still a lot of ski resorts and whatnot that are open, um, but they're probably on a more accessible, um, you know, part of the, the mountain range or whatnot that's closer to, to civilization, easy to get to. Um, but, you know, I, I think where this is set in the film, it's so far off the beaten path up there in the mountains, you know, so far away from civilization that a lot of people didn't want to risk going up there. They said that, you know, the roads aren't maintained enough during that time of the year to, to even think that you'll have reliable uh transit in and out uh, or egress so you know I, I think it's very realistic i don't know if it's realistic today right but mm-hmm. when the film takes place uh obviously i wasn't alive but i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt it you know it seems reasonable enough uh i don't know what do i know another early question we had was there's that other guy who's in the interview 
and follows like yeah. the owner guy around. That was that his guy, only appearance in and, the film. And he though. doesn't say like no, no. Two he words. shows up in that li- like oh, like. Well, I guess you, we see him after the interview when they're doing the little tour. He's uh, just lagging behind. Yeah, he's just not like saying this random. Did he ever? Does why? he have lines? What's is he? Is he like? Is he someone who? Could I think he's like a ghost, line. another ghost or something, or or what? I I don't know. Or I something no like idea. that. I, I didn't. I didn't he look. He just looked so. Well, he looks so frump frumpled in that that first meeting um uh with jack and the, the hotel management he's just sitting there and while uh the, the hotel manager is talking about you know the, the isolation aspect it, it cuts between jack and this other dude who's sitting in the chair next to him and you can almost just see something on his face that's you know foreboding or or you know like he that dude knows some shit that's what that looked like. Like he he has some dread about what's being talked about. And again, I mean, he heard the opening theme. He knew what was up. Yes, yes. That that must like be what he wakes up to in the morning. Um, that that's that guy's vibe. But uh, you know, obviously, there was there was legitimately a terrible tragedy that had happened in the hotel with uh, the pro, you know quote unquote previous caretaker, um, you know, axe murdering his kids and his wife. So obviously that's terrible, um, but it's almost as if they knew something beyond just that. Which also I want to mention, Jack had such an unfair advantage having ghosts on his side. You mentioned that, Evan. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he gets locked out of the freezer by a freaking ghost. Mm-hmm. Or, like, yeah, is that true. It, like she, Wendy? She did everything right. She tried her best to without killing him. Without killing him to try and. Uh, protect her and her son but she she couldn't count on a fucking ghost unlocking this freezer for her her husband or 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 was that just you know how it was shown to us that he just like phased through the wall i don't know like can't believe we're 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 getting really into the nitty-gritty picking nits but um or was that just an easy way out? Like maybe they just cornered the story and they're like, "Oh, how do we come out?" Stanley, it's got to be more than they're smarter than that. And they said, "Well, what happened in the book?" And Stanley said, "I don't fucking care what happens in the book. <laughs> the ghost lets him out. <laughs> the ghost lets him I, out." Sometimes, so it, at I don't the, know. At I don't. The, I don't know why. I don't, I'm. I'm sure that Stanley Kubrick did not sound like 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 a 1920s gangster, but that's just. I think that's just my placeholder voice. We'll go with that. If I don't know someone's voice, it just. Yeah, I think it's just just the most fun. Yeah, it's just the most fun voice to do. So it's. I'll I'll take it. Like I like it. Yeah. What's What's Joe Biden's voice? Ah, I'm the president after Trump. What number? It's terrible. Have you watched his speeches or anything like a? It was the first name that came to mind. It was the this first. Is, okay, we're not gonna. We're, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. yeah, we're not. We're not. <laughs> anyway, that, no, 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 no. That's no, no, what. No, 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 no. This is not. This is not a. This is not a political impression show. Dude, that was the first. That was the first famous like person that. name that I thought of. I'm sorry, I didn't. Sorry, I, I fumbled. First, first podcast. Okay, yeah, back to the ghosts. Yeah, not a big deal. Jesus. Oh, I was gonna say something. Um, sometimes, especially around that sequence, uh, when Shelley Duvall, uh. Gonks uh, Jack Nicholson on the head with the baseball bat. Yeah, when he falls down the stairs, that shit's hilarious. Comical. Comical. Yeah, yeah. Also, where's Tom Bergeron? Cue up AFV when he falls down those stairs, I swear. Uh, but, you know, I put myself in a situation. Evan said something about, you know, she didn't finish the job, right? I um, mean, that, that's like her one mistake in the film. Obviously, obviously hindsight's 2020. Well, yeah. Well, but yeah, like, yeah. But, but also, I feel like if I knew there was a crazy guy, I'd just be like, 
but but also I mean obviously she's probably conflicted. She doesn't really want to hurt him, but also dude's a piece. Because she's shit. a nice lady. She is a nice lady, but dude's a piece of shit. Not justifying murder, but I, I also think it, it may have come to it at the, at some point. But um, I put myself in her shoes, and you know maybe there was consideration about well if I kill my husband in the middle of this hotel with zero witnesses around and a documented ch- child with some mental illness going on only to corroborate my story like who like who's gonna be able to prove a single thing it's just there's a dead body uh and i killed him but they don't they can't speak to the reasons as as to why i do want to talk about danny a little more which i think i can't figure that little shit out given the context of the movie i think just he really is able to buy into the 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 fact that the, the vibe is just off i can't believe i had to use those words to the say what I'm saying. Is but off. like he, it just, he just, I think he puts in a great performance and how he portrays, you know, Tony talking through his mouth and everything yeah. is super unsettling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That unsettling, that was where I couldn't. That had to be Jesus. hard for a kid. What was he, like six or seven when they yeah. filmed it? Maybe 10. Like, maybe. Yeah. Like, but dude, that, that takes just disturbing stuff to yeah. be around, especially as oh, a kid yeah. and how he's able to. I think the scene where he first sees the twins. Well, sorry, I guess it'd be the second time he sees the twins in the hallway, you know, on the big wheel, famously. Um, the emote, oh. I feel like the how he's able to emote there and like is be shocked, the and then just his the fa- I thought the face he had like after he the, the second time is when he comes twins across twins the murder twins, yeah. scene, right? Well, the flash it flashes back, yeah, and forth, yeah, 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 dude. Like his he's, face was incredible there, yeah, and just like there's like tears in yeah, his, his eyes, his mouth's like a gape, and it's just wide, you just, you just feel for him. And that, like, do you think they t- said, oh, yeah, so um, what's going to happen? You, so you're, you're supposed to go in this room and we're not, there's, there's, really we're not, we're not going to film a scene in the room, like with you, but with Jack, uh, your dad in the movie, there's going to be, he's going to kiss a naked pretty lady, but then the pretty lady is going to be an old decomposing lady. Like, do you think, I wonder if he was privy to all that while they were shooting Hell or if it was I'm like, sure it was wasn't. like, it was, Hell. it was, it was the seventies. They were just like, yeah, just send him to the premiere. He'll be fine. He's probably already traumatized. You think he watched it? I'm sure when he, he was there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, oh, I, yeah. Think, no, yeah, I, I think swear I read what? something that Kubrick wouldn't show him the film until he was 18. What? I, I read, 18. I swear I read I mean, that somewhere. Come on, I come on Stanley. Come also, on. I mean, a part of it is short. I don't know how aware that young of a child can be. But I mean, if he was around the filmmaking process and he has a very good understanding that it's not real, then I, I guess maybe he had the emotional maturity. But I, again, dude was like, what, six, seven? I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I mean, you've both have acted on film sets. Does it feel real? I don't know. I'm, I'm a producer, so I'm always behind camera. I don't know how it feels to be acting. We've never... I I don't know. Like we're obviously not, that's indie, but like we're not method. I, I don't think Evan uh, can speak yeah, to it. Yeah, um, I, I I think just can't really comment what it, obviously you know to what it feels like to be on that kind of set. Obviously yeah. with the this legendary filmmaker, and then but you've been the on small it. sets. Like, are you able to like break the barrier? Like, just look past all the cameras and believe you're actually mm-hmm. in like a real place. But. For the time being, I or is, say, it, is it hard to do that? We're not really method actors, and there are a I'm lot of actors who are, are very hardcore. I'm not saying you but are. But I, I think the method process, that's what you... The whole point of method acting is to truly subject yourself to the conditions in the world that the characters that's been created live on a day-to-day basis, and you're supposed to function as them so that you become them 
in with your entire being and, and your soul, right? Um, most people when we act, you know, sure, you may get a little bit wrapped up into a scene. And again, we're not professionals. We haven't been on a, uh, you know, a, a set with the scale and, and the setup that something like that would have and the special effects. And nor have we ever filmed something that's as disturbing or as jarring, right? So, uh, you know, we can't really speak to that, but I, I think it would be hard for a child to make that distinction. Scary stuff is scary stuff. Yeah, probably, right? So, yeah, and the bar was just so much lower, uh, you know, now we're 40, 43 years ago, right? When this movie came out, um, I'm sure that was, I'm sure it was, I'm sure a lot of parts that were a lot, felt a lot more shocking then to all these first time viewers than it, than it, than it does to us now. But, but although we said that it, now we feel a bit more of the, how unsettled, you know, unsettled you feel and how scary it all is, but yeah, I'm sure at the time, yeah, and, and to, be, to be able to, and with the, yeah, the kid, the kid actor and whatnot, and to be able to invest in how scary it all is, you know, given where we were at in the horror and movie landscape, it, it makes sense. Yeah. I can buy so it. we're at the 45 minute mark right now. Mm-hmm. I think this is a fair time for me to go to the freezer, get some ice cream, and we could uh, recharge and power out these last 15 minutes and discuss the ending of the film, which there is so much to discuss in yes. like that last 30 yes. minutes. Over the ice cream, which we'll give a quick review that yep. Alec has selected to us for us. Yep. That, that's a part of the um, ice cream social movie hour or ice cream social hours that, yes, we are going to try a flavor of ice cream that we're not familiar with or... Uh, either you know, you know a brand that we're not familiar with and kind of give you our thoughts as we also digest the last bit of the movie. And I just want to put this out there. Um, I'm a man who loves desserts and sweet things of all kinds. Yep. Anybody who's met me knows this. Yes. Um, it's very important to me. Um, ice cream is the best dessert Esteem. or sweet thing of any kind. I, I'm, I'm correct. I think that's just kind of the most accurate take. If you're not if you're not into it, like, you know, touch grass. Yeah. I uh, hate to be that guy. Um, I have a close person in my life who is still anti ice cream as far as as far as I know, and I, I worry for them every day. So all right, Alec has returned with the ice cream. Ooh. Um we'll divvy out the bowls and stuff here, but Alec, if you could just uh, tell us uh, what we're sampling today. So I went to my local Jewel Osco and picked up one pint. Of Talenti Gelato. Uh, today we're going to be having Pacific Coast Pistachio. PCP. <laughs> PCP. <laughs> I have never had pistachio gelato, but I I've not had PCP. Good. I, <clears throat> I've, I've seen it a lot, especially when I traveled to Italy. It, it seems to be a popular flavor, so I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I, I honestly, so pistachio things, I like pistachios. Um, I've had pastries that have been flavored with pistachio, like a cake, and that is very good. Um, but something I could never wrap my head around was pistachio ice cream. I was not sure how it would be, but I'm optimistic and looking forward to trying it. Hope you enjoy the ice cream sound effects. It's This isn't an ASMR channel, but it, it can be if you want. There's nothing in that bowl right now. So I was going to say, Nathan looked kind of freaky, just swirling your spoon around yeah. in this empty bowl. Fuck off. All, all work and no play makes Nathan a doll boy. It's I'm true. pretty silly. We did, yeah. We also did uh, take a moment to talk about the poor PA 
that had to do all the, oh, yeah. had to do all the oh, typing. Yeah. You know how for, many pages did one, for the probably hundred, hundreds of? I how many how many pages were shown I'm, on I'm, screen? There were probably at least twenty on screen. Yeah, oh, at least twenty pages. I'm sure not on all of them on a on an old school typewriter. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure it took. I don't think there were inkjet printers in 1979 when they shot no, that. No. Hmm. Okay. So first taste, pretty solid. Yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've had pistachio ice cream either. To be honest, there are like whole pistachios in here too. They're, which, they're crushed up. Okay. Well, they're they're like quarter pistachios. Pretty solid. I I actually really enjoy this. It's it's, it's mellow. I wasn't expecting this at all. <laughs> I don't know. I'm don't usually know, a salted pistachio kind of guy, so this is... You think Lieutenant Dan would like this? Hmm. Or you think he'd like soft serve more? He's old now, so I think he would. Mm. Shout out Gary Sinise. Yeah, Gary, if you are listening to this podcast, which I know you He's aren't. Not. But if you are, please uh, reach out. We'd love to have you on. And eat some ice cream with you. Mm-hmm. I think we'd we'd all die. We're absolute fanboys, and uh, we definitely got to see your band. Yeah, love, love, yeah, love, love you, love you, Gary. Uh, bring Tom out. Uh, I, I'm actually pretty into this. I'm a little surprised. I don't know why I thought it was gonna taste super weird. Yeah, but it just tastes kind of pleasant. Uh, and sorry, if it sounds weird. It just kind of tastes like a nut. And like it's a super, it's kind of a nut. generic nut, and the texture of the whole nuts is pretty good as well. It's a little so soft, chewy, but it's soft and chewy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if I like but, that. It's, it's, I guess it's ice cream and it's frozen, so what can you really do? But I like how they decided to make it this distinct green. Like I know all pistachio. It's definitely ice not natural. Certainly not. Pretty good though. All right. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Talenti Gelato, Pacific Coast Pistachio. What are we PCP. writing it? Are we out doing... of ten? Out of ten. Uh, so basically, a range of how many ice cream cones would we give to Lieutenant Dan? I would 10? give seven out of ten ice cream cones of this to Lieutenant Dan. Um, I'm I'm a little bit um. More conservative there. I, I give it a solid six ice cream cones uh, for Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm in lockstep with Alec. I'll also go with seven ice cream cones. Oh, would eat again. Yes, myself. Yes, it's it's very good. It's very good, but you know, I don't think it's something that would become one of my favorite ice cream flavors. I don't know that I would choose it over the ones that I like, but it's good. And people who like it, I get it. And for our next uh, episode, we'll have uh, Nathan selecting an ice cream. So. Yep, we're going to rotate. Every mm-hmm. single episode, one of us will bring mm-hmm. a new ice cream to the group. Okay, Al- to okay Alec, how much, time do, how much time do we have left to talk about the end of it? We got 10 minutes okay, to talk great. about 20. So okay. let's okay. get going, I guess. Um, uh, there's so much to discuss. I don't even know where to start. I mean, uh, not to just have it, have it delve into us doing impressions of uh, the characters in the film. But just Wendy, darling, is uh, light of my life. Light of my life. life. Right. Uh, My responsibilities. You don't know anything about my responsibilities. It is. He's and she's just falling apart. And he's. (laughs) Don't hurt me. Okay. All right. That's a Nathan, I'm sorry, your ears just got blown out. If you're listening, I was going to say headphones. No, 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 you'll fix that. 
That, is you, that possible? It's not that possible. I mean, let let Jack cook. Honestly, love that guy so much. Um, just obviously not the abuse though, but that's just that's just great. And then, obviously, you said it gets freed by a ghost. Total bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, and dude, then you poor get the, dick. I, I think I remember hearing on a different podcast that over sixty doors were used for the. The bathroom door for here's Johnny and all that sixty plus doors. Jack shout Nicholson out to those, shout out to those uh, craftsmen. Wood. He was truly chopping wood. Hopefully they. Dude, used that it. art department was probably like, dude, they got to get a take soon. There's no way we're it's on like, like door we, twenty. Yeah, I was gonna say we originally had we originally only had <laughs> we five. Only, <laughs> we only only had four <laughs> doors out there. But uh, I think Stanley said he were going to over fifty. So uh, get to work, fellas. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, and then. The finance guys. Like, Danny what the fuck are you doing? Obviously, a traumatizing situation for Danny to have your father, uh, you know, chasing after you and your mom with an axe. But I really, I really would have liked to experience sliding out that window on the snow. Yeah, that looked really, that looked really that looked gleeful. Fun. And didn't look like winter, snow, but winter, it winter, fun. Winter Wonderland. Um, uh, so we, you know, we're all excited to see when Bear Fellatio was taking place. Yeah, and we, you know, had to question what. What that means and Shelly Duvall's reaction is just is just fantastic. And um, I looked it up and there's some crazy stuff and it's all theories. So I don't even know if it's worth mentioning, but I I still don't know what to make of that scene. Yeah, my my, uh, my, it, it my just, idea. I'm probably just really simplifying how movie sets are like. But since in my brain, Kubrick is just like the the tyrant who wanted to make all the calls. It's like, oh, Stanley, how do we show? That things are really just going downhill at this hotel and the ghosts are coming out. Ah, uh, just throw a throw a sliced up guy and a and a and a bear giving fellatio. <laughs> and everyone was like, like a, and I was like, all right. Yeah, it was like sold. Was this before or after a clockwork orange? Because uh it, after. 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 Uh maybe he still had a little of that left in his mind. I, yeah, I feel like he was already in like blank check territory yeah so it's like there's certainly room in the budget left if you wanted to get a bear costume last moment and <laughs> and didn't that bear costume wasn't like the butt flap open yeah i thought that was hilarious i can't tell you why but it forwards the plot i can't tell you why but i swear it forwards the plot somehow, somehow it does maybe it does uh, maybe she's just like losing it. Well, like she's yeah. looking at this and be like, "What the, the fuck the, is going the horrors on?" Of the hotel, of the Overlook, have finally all come out to play. Um, so now she's good. But then they can't decide whether they want there to be normal people or fucking fucking skeletons. So there's normal people, but also just skeletons chilling in the, in the lobby. Um, yeah. So hope. Sorry, sorry. They were just you know left there for a while. It seems like there's a bit of a lacking with maintenance. Yeah. For the hotel, at least these ghosts struggle to keep the place <laughs> the caretaker keep the, keep the place up to date. Oh, um, all four so, so I get made. Oh, it, 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 all, it all makes sense. Jack is really a bad caretaker. He's terrible if, caretaker. since he's always been there. Uh, but there that, was there was that one scene after his nightmare when he was screaming mm -hmm. and um, uh, I, f I forget what he said exactly, but um, you know she ran up to him. And it was almost like he was grounded. Like he was like, "Oh, I'm like I, I had this oh, horrible nightmare that I, I murdered you guys, and mm -hmm. like, like I'm losing it." And it was something along the lines of that. I don't remember verbatim, mm -hmm. obviously. But, but like, then, like after that's the party. 
I think yeah, so. Right. But like she she squad. brought him back. She grounded mm-hmm. him there for a second. So that's how you know, like, oh, this maybe this guy like is actually just losing it and he's like a normal guy. Because that I guess that kind of contradicts what I said earlier in the podcast, where I was like, has did he know this was gonna happen all along? Or is he just I don't know. That's you know, obviously you can see why we thought this would be such a great one to start with with uh the show just because there's so many different ways you can you can go with it and different things you can appreciate about it and just the master you know all-time level of filmmaking being done with you know a horror story oh yeah it just just creates such an exciting blend of of of, of elements throughout so you, you don't I love even it so much have to like horror to, to like it i i, I think i it, hate horror and i love this film it's so just i i think you can separate have to change that the genre of well i don't know we'll see you got to convince me to like horror movies y- you can kind of separate psychological thriller versus straight up horror um and this is very much something that just you know it wants to get into your head and, and play with your emotions and and put you in the position of, of these characters reacting to just i guess the absurd and the unsettling um again you know i think we all agree a great and amazing film um one that we've all i think as the the years have gone by since our first watch have grown to appreciate more and more um you know as we get a better understanding of also just what went into making the film what inspired it um and, and what inspired um stephen king timeless truly yeah, timeless do we want to pick our next film Oh gosh! I think we under should the, under the gun. I think we gun. should under the gun. Just for yeah, what, for well, content. I think I vote. You I vote before. Pixar's Cars. I, I agree. We said oh, this while we were out to yeah. dinner. Pixar's Cars. Mm-hmm. I think I could talk about that movie for that. A long time. I remember the first time seeing that film. I was at a drive-in. Woo! I was. I don't think the drive-in exists anymore. But it was the one off of sixty-four. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah, save it for the next podcast as much as we can. But continue. But. Dude, cars, timeless. We were all young. This was like our our Disney Pixar. We gotta, we That's gotta. There's there's That's no way. Deck. There's no way we can't. So make sure you tune in for episode two, whenever episode two comes out, as we will be discussing Pixar's Cars, undisputed masterpiece. And that is the Lieutenant Dan Ice Cream Social Hour. I'm Evan. I'm Nathan. And I'm Alec. Thank you for listening.